0: The Unshackled Waves, episode 52. Hello and welcome to The Unshackled Waves podcast. I'm Tim Wilms, here for another review show. Uh, Back for this week again is my co-editor-in-chief of The Unshackled, Suketh Fernando. Welcome again.
1: Thanks, Tim, and hello everyone.
0: It's been a week of major political events, both here and around the world. The French had their second round of voting in their presidential election, the runoff vote between uh, Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen. It was not the result that we were hoping for. Uh, Emmanuel Macron, the globalist progressive one with 66% of the vote against Marine Le Pen who was the the nationalist She only got 33% of the vote. So France will continue to have more of the same problems It will still be subservient to the EU and also suffer more Islamist attacks and more Islamisation. Uh, but we were encouraged by the strong youth vote for Marine Le Pen And so that gives us hope that if France is able to survive the next five years under a progressive president, that uh, Le Pen will have another chance at the presidency, a better chance in 2022. Back here in Australia, the federal budget was delivered on Tuesday the 9th of May, uh, which at the time of recording was yesterday. It can best be described as a very safe budget, uh, continued the fiscal status quo, Uh, So there was more taxes and more spending taxes are being raised by 12 billion. There's further spending on health uh, Education uh, which we talked about last week and also the National Disability Insurance Scheme Uh, some good parts of the budget were there's going to be uh, uh, stronger measures on welfare recipients including uh, Random drug testing which is welcome for those people who want, that, want to make sure that their hard-earned taxpayer dollars are being uh, well spent. And the also other bit of important news for the week was uh, Bill Shorten's ill-fated Australia First ad which he, he made a, it was a short 30 second ad talking about the importance of Australian jobs and putting Australians first, uh, but it was uh, criticised by people of the left for being too white because there most of the people featured in the ad, there was uh, one Asian, but uh, most people criticised it because it was full of white people. So it was funny how the left cannibalised themselves over this. And also the the conservative response to it. There was some on the alt-right who liked this ad, but there was a lot of conservative politicians who criticised the ad and called it racist, which is an interesting talking point. But we'll start with the French presidential election result. And Suk, if you wrote the summary of this, so do you want to start us off?
1: Um, yes I can and um, as you said it wasn't exactly the results we were hoping for um you know my feelings about marine winning weren't exactly um, accurate it turns out um it turned out that macron actually um, secured sixty six point one percent of the vote and marine secured thirty three point nine percent um which is quite better than what her father did um in back in 2007 I believe it was um but you know it, it still wasn't enough to win and it was quite disappointing Um, It looks like the French were not only sexist because they they chose a male over a female, it it shows that the French um, actually prefers the establishment, you know, um, over some sort of populist right wing candidate who actually is trying to save France from globalism and migration and progressivism.
0: Uh, there, there was a lot of uh, progressives and even some uh, people on the, on the right, if you can call them that, who were gloating mm-hmm. over, over this result saying uh, you know, the right is not as resurgent as you've been making out and saying that we were all triggered by, by the reaction. I mean, we were disappointed, no doubt, but we were in no way hysterical like the uh, SJWs were after Trump won.
1: Exactly. I mean, we didn't see any Marine supporters protesting or marching in Paris streets. I mean, everywhere around the world, there was a women's march against Trump in, in every major city in the Western world. Um, but in 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 Par- you know, in Paris, in France, there was nothing. There was nothing like that. Um, and that was a, the source of various memes that compared us to the left. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, it shows that ultimately that shows that the right is, you know, the civilized, part of the spectrum. It is quite disappointing to see that many people who call themselves right-wingers are actually happy that Macron won over Le Pen because let's remember that Macron is ultimately more, I suppose, more free market than Marine is in terms of trade, especially. I mean, he is pro-EU, so I suppose there are people who are, I suppose you would call them neoliberal, um, who who are much more happier that Marine won, uh, sorry, Macron won over Marine.
0: Uh, and it's also worth uh, going into why, uh, why Macron run and uh, why he won so convincingly. I mean, uh, France, it's a country at the moment which is besieged by Islamism. I mean, uh, ISIS was nearly as popular as the, the outgoing uh, president. I mean, they suffer a terrorist attack uh, nearly every month now, yet they chose to go with the candidate who said nothing's wrong? Uh, let's just keep going with the with the status quo. And he said that you know there's no problem with any religion in France. I mean, why? Like, our reaction to the to the result was we tried to warn you, France. It's it's on it's it's on your head now. Uh, and so, why did they continue to just go down the same path?
1: Well, I think well, France or. From now on, it'll be called Francistan. Um, I think uh, the thing is, French voters um, preferred someone who's pro-EU. Let's remember, globalism is rampant in Europe right now. Maybe not the UK. UK isn't as globalist, um, uh, which, which is quite, which is quite nice to see. But in the, in mainland Europe, in mainland Western Europe globalism is rampant. In France especially, um, the ties to the EU are much higher and I think the thing is people, I mean the only thing I'm getting is that people um, who voted for Macron are actually much more um, sort of, they they prioritise the the free trade, the EU, the globalism over any of the cultural um, vulnerabilities that France is facing. Um, and that's I think that's the problem. I mean, if you look at the statistics, it was actually the older voters who mainly voted for Macron. Um, and the thing is, that itself gives some hope, which I will go into later, but it was the older voters who voted for Macron and um, Marine didn't get many votes from those, from that particular demographic. So I think the problem is those older voters, they, I suppose, are living in that time where e- the EU was founded. It was during their time that globalism began to um, get even bigger and more powerful. So I think for them, in a way, they were being conservative in in their own way. Um, but in the overall, you know, in, in the overall um, movement of time i think you know the, the actual conservatives weren't exactly very popular in france
0: i mean the difference between uh france and the united states where uh, trump was able to win is the fact that uh in france the entire media was against le pen i mean there was uh so, so much uh smears against her and uh there there is no no real alternative media in france that was able to propel uh uh, trump to the white house in the in the united states Uh, and that's also the fact that yeah the the french people there it's been more ingrained in them that uh, the european union's centralized globalism is good where the people of the united states are always much more skeptical of of central centralized power and uh, giving uh, giving more power to the to the politicians and uh, global institutions?
1: Yeah, France doesn't really have a very large alternative news in, uh, industry or also a new sector. Um, America did. The United Kingdom did. Australia does. Um, m- does have it not as much as America, but we do have it. Um, but France doesn't. Um, those those European countries, they don't really have those um, websites or they don't have those alternative media um, sources. So I, I think people aren't exactly exposed um, to those things either. And you know, even if they are exposed, as I said, they, they they prioritize those globalism those globalist values over um, any cultural threats or any terrorism threats and they have been brainwashed into thinking that you know all muslims are peaceful they've been brainwashed into thinking that you know just because this happens just because one terrorist attack happens every month it doesn't mean all muslims are bad um so they have been you know sort of told to think that you know Open borders are good. You know, taking in refugees are good. Um, it, just because you know it's uh, there's some risk, it doesn't mean all Muslims are bad. That's the I- ideas they have in, in in those countries right now, and that's a problem. Um, and let's remember that. Um, in comparison to Trump, so the thing is that's why comparing Marine to Trump is a bit hard sometimes. Um, when you look at the actual circumstances, because Trump was. The, the candidate for a major party. Maureen wasn't. You know, Marine wasn't the candidate for a major party. Same with Geert Wilders. Geert Wilders was not the candidate for a major party. Now, if Maureen was with the Republican Party, for example, I think she should, could, could have done much better. Um, considering how they, they could she could secure the vote of traditional Republican voters who would never vote for someone else. Trump, same thing. He could still secure the vote for traditional Republican voters in America, um, who may not necessarily have supported him. Like I use this example. It's a bad example. Caitlin Jenner, for example, she is a Republican voter, doesn't really like Trump, but votes li- Republican nonetheless because that's um, who who. He, she, whatever wants to vote for. Um, same thing applies in France. You know, if Marine was in a major party, she could have secured those traditional major party voters, but this time she couldn't because she was in a minor party.
0: I mean, even the the so-called conservative uh, candidate Fillon, he uh, backed uh, Macron. Uh, so yeah, it was she didn't have any mainstream support behind her.
1: Yeah, I mean that was very disappointing to see that Fillon actually backed you know, someone like Macron, or someone who's closer to him in social issues, at least, um, who is, which is Marine. Um, and I think that just shows that, again, that, that says the whole point, that sort of, you know, reveals the entire problem here. The fact that the economic neoliberalism, I know it's a contested word, I know some people are saying that's a bad word, some people are saying it's, it's a correct word, but, you know, the economic neoliberalism that we see um, is powerful in Europe. Thanks to the EU. Thanks to the globalism. So I think those factors, the economic, the economic um, arguments for them, are much more important. Which is why I think Fionn actually um, supported Macron.
0: Yeah, I've, it's it's definitely. I think we can conclude that globalism. It's it's much harder to defeat in, I'd say, mainland Europe yeah. at least. I mean, mm. the UK has always been a bit different because, like, they still yeah. use the, the the pound, but. We've seen the Dutch election this year, where Wilders didn't do as well as we'd hoped. Uh, we we still hold out uh, hope that Germany will will make the right decision later in the year. But yes, it's, yeah. it looks like it's gonna it's gonna take uh, for things to get a lot worse in in Europe before the, the people are are finally going to wake up. But what does give us hope is that the youth are beginning to to wake up, and they voted for Le Pen in large numbers.
1: That's right. Um, in fact, the, the demographic breakdown of the election shows that forty four percent of eighteen to twenty four year olds actually voted for Marine Le Pen. Um, that gives us hope. In and in second place were thirty five to forty nine year olds who and 40% of them voted for Marine. And um, that shows that the younger generations are not buying into all this globalism that the older generations are buying into. Remember, the baby boomers, they grew up with globalism. That was when it be- became a trend. The younger generation is a different, different story. They're seeing something different. They're seeing that their country is getting destroyed. They're seeing that. In, in both social and economic ways their country is getting raped by different people from other countries, um, you know, so younger people are actually much more aware of the problems and they don't give in to those globalist arguments because for them they are able to see, surprisingly, I mean surprisingly, I would expect older people to actually know this, but surprisingly it's the younger people who are out now able to actually see what's wrong with their country um, and along with that now Along with that, there are other demographics who who are supporting Marine. Um, for example, I know that the LGBT community in France, which, you know, I know that many of us don't approve of that lifestyle, but it's, it's interesting to see that those people are actually supporting Marine. Um, but ultimately, it's not surprising because they're able to see that Islam and Islamic terrorism and Islamism in general is actually a threat to their own lifestyle. And in fact, I know that around um, almost 30% of Parisian homosexuals were of marine while only 16% of heterosexuals were of marine in Paris. Um, and that just shows that they themselves, while we, while we disagree in many things, it shows that they are able to see the threat posed by Islamism.
0: Well, if it's a choice between uh, not being able to get uh, get married or being thrown off a building, uh, yeah. I think they'll choose, you know, not being able <laughs> to to get married. But it's also the, exactly. the youth; they're they're flocking to Le Pen and other uh, nationalist groups because of the high youth unemployment in France and other other European countries. And plus, they are you know on the on the front line of what's going on in the in the streets of France. I mean, they're seeing the other uh, I- Islamist youths, you know, causing all the all the crime uh, c- uh, c- uh, and causing all the terrorism as well. So they they're seeing well, the dare I say the older people are much more privileged, living in dare I say it, much more white areas away from uh, away from these problems. And so of course they think that there's nothing wrong and uh, will vote for uh, Macron. Yeah, and while um. Alternative media isn't very popular in
1: France. You know, the youth are, are, tend to be more exposed to the alternative media from other sources. For example, there are um, people from Sweden um, who are YouTubers who are telling the world what's happening in Sweden. People like Infowars, um, for example, you know, um, or British sources of alt media. They, the youth, is able to access them. Using the internet, using social media, the the older generations aren't able to do that. The older generations they stick to the mainstream media, um, who tend to be in France, especially always left wing, um, always you know supporting that left wing progressive candidate. Um, so I think that is also another factor as well. But it's nice to see that the youth is seeing this, um, and it it does give us hope because maybe next time, maybe we might see we might not see Marine, we might see um, Marion, um, actually running for, for running for president. I know she left. Um, I know that um, Marion isn't actually running again Marie for her Marine Le Pen's niece. Yeah, marion's Marine's niece and um, Jean Marie's um, granddaughter. She is. Um, I, I know that she isn't actually taking coming back um, to her seat uh, next time. But she might actually come back as the next candidate for the National Front. And I know that Jean Marie is actually much more. Um, supportive of Marion over Marine because um, you know she is more social conservative, she is more right-wing than Marine, believe it or not, and she's younger and she can reach out to the younger um, demographics um, because of her age. So I think she could be a re- re- really good candidate as well, as she gives me hope.
0: Yeah. Uh, so unlike the left, we're, we're not getting triggered. We hope that France can survive the the next five years and then we can have a, a real president in yeah. charge. <laughs> just five years ago so let's move on to the uh 2017 australian federal budget which was just handed down and yeah so well, for those who believe in you know smaller government lower taxes uh fiscal responsibility it wasn't uh, a good budget i mean uh, as I said, 12 billion dollars in higher taxes over the the Ford estimates, the raising of the Medicare levy it's it was already raised under Julie Gillard from 1.5 to two percent. Now it's being going to be raised by uh, from 2% two percent to 2.5 percent by 2019, which affects all taxpayers and at the same time, the government is taking off the temporary debt levy uh, from high income earners, which was two percent. So it's it's not a good budget for or ordinary taxpayers because uh, everyone except high income earners is is going to be paying more tax.
1: Yeah, I saw the budget and I was quite disappointed. I'm um, actually and. Thing is, thing is, it's interesting because um I know that many of the mainstream media sources, so I know Fairfax and Australian. Well, Australian, I'm not surprised, but the I know Fairfax and the SBS even, they were actually showing the budget in a bad way. They're actually focusing on the higher taxes, which I was very surprised at. Um, and they were showing the budget in a very bad way in their own um in the, in their own newspapers. Um, and I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting them to be supportive of higher taxes or some sort of um economic high but they weren't they were actually being quite quite critical and I think that might show that they actually won't support liberals no matter what I think that's the point there Um, but in terms of the actual budget in general I was quite disappointed Um, I thought it was you know mediocre um, not very good not not really bad um, because there were other aspects which we'll get into Um, but I thought it was quite a mediocre budget with the Tax raises with um, the spending um, increases. Um, our debt is now 550 billion dollars. Our government debt, um, and you know, are they doing something about that? Yeah.
0: Oh, well, they did announce a path back to surplus. We're going to get a surplus by 2020, 2021, which yeah. is, we'll believe it when we see it. I mean, yeah. remember that Wayne Swan and Julia Gillard announced that the budget would be back in surplus by 2012, 2013. What's that? Yep. Four years ago now. <laughs> uh, but of course, the, the main thing is, how do you how do you get to surplus by raising taxes? I mean, any economist will tell you that, that you don't tax your way to prosperity.
1: Exactly. I mean, you're meant to. This is a time where you're, you're meant to cut spending and cut taxes so that actually you can um, foster economic growth in the country and therefore actually raise more revenue in the long run, even though you have lower taxes. And, of, of course, by having lower spending. Um, that's what a right-wing economist would tell you. But then, of course, we know that the Keynesians are the dominant um economists in this country at least in Europe and in Australia mainly um so you know I'm not surprised about this I mean they infiltrated the Liberal Party as well um many people were actually um complaining that you know this is this isn't something you would expect from the Liberal Party I mean they they don't belong Morrison doesn't belong in Liberals anymore people saying that um, and I get that you know this isn't some this isn't the right-wing economic the the conservative plan I would expect from the Liberals Um, but you know I think they're trying to um, sort of I think one it's a political motive as well probably because they're trying to sort of tell the Australian people who are more left-wing that you know they're trying to sort of uh, get the budget back in balance in in a different way which and I'm not sure about I I feel like that's going to be even more regressive.
0: Yeah, I mean they introduced the the bank tax, uh, which of uh, uh, which they hope will be elect electorally popular. I mean I can see the temptation uh, of it by ordinary Australians, but of course, banks are just going to pass that tax on to uh, their their customers. So that's not going to work at all. Um, They also uh, raise taxes for foreigners. There's going to be a tax on bringing in foreign workers. And there's also going to be a tax on uh, foreign uh, people who own property in Australia and leave it vacant, which I suppose if you're going to raise taxes, at least... Raise it on foreigners, yeah, so yeah. make sure that Australians have have an advantage over over foreigners when it comes to economic opportunities.
1: Yeah, um, I personally like the tax on foreigners. Um, you know, I, I I like that. I think you know we need to. Um, we'll get to this later on as well. I think we need to you know sort of put our people first and put Australia first. Um, again, is it is it suitable for this time where we have where we have five hundred fifty billion dollars. Debt um, is it, is that sort of tax, tax suitable? I'm not sure. Um, although I do support I do support it in general. Um, I- even though for this situation it might not be appropriate. Um, but yes, I think the the problem is that you know they they, they do have all these you know sp- spending and they have all all this uh, spending increases and I think that's the biggest problem we have today. Um, and you know. People are asking, maybe it's more of a left-wing budget or something. Um, it does sure look like it is.
0: Yeah, uh, that, that's what uh, a lot of media commentators, and uh, especially those on the right, have been calling it uh, a Labour budget. There's all these memes <laughs> of uh, uh, of the Liberals saying to Labour, hey, can we copy your homework?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. I saw a meme saying, um, you know, there was the, the Communist Manifesto, mm-hmm. and then Liberals... You're asking marks. Can you copy your homework? And then the, and then you have the budget for twenty seventeen. Um, that was an exaggeration, obviously. Yeah. But um, you know, I I get the point. You know, I mean, I I do think in some ways it is a budget. I just think that when it comes to some areas of the budget where they have more requirements for drug recipients, for example, that is not labor, Um, you know, where they have um, custom foreign aid, I think, that's not a labor, that's not labor. But overall, it does look like a labor budget, yes.
0: Uh, Scott Morrison was asked, uh, asked about, uh, uh, what do you say to people who say it's a Labour budget? And his response was, oh, well, if people think that, then the Labour Party should vote for it. And he said he was proud to deliver a budget which was non-ideological, basically saying to, you know, free market supporters of the coalition, you know, I don't care what you think.
1: Yeah, I think it, it, that just shows, that just gives away the political motive, doesn't that just shows that he that, that, there's a political, um, you know, sort of motive for this. Now, the thing is, I do get his point where, where he said Labour should support it. I mean, I think Labour should support it. If, if Labour complains about this, then I'm going to call them the biggest hypocrites in this country. Well, they already are, but they're going to be even more, even, even greater hypocrites. But if they criticise this budget, because that should align, like all the areas should align with their motives.
0: They're they're still saying Labor's response has been, oh, we're still somewhat critical, which oppositions always are, but uh, then they've said at the end, oh, we are going to support it. Yeah, they they should support it. And of course, smokers still are the the biggest cash cows uh, of Australia. I mean, they're being slugged with more increase in excise, which, uh, how much further can you raise uh, tobacco excise until uh, we see more black market activity? I mean, that just shows, I think that that's a dead giveaway that the smoking
1: taxes, they're not meant to be some sort of, uh, well, they're not meant to be driven by some sort of concern for smokers. I think, I think, you know, they're just some tactic to try and get more money for the government. I think the government is using a smoker's tax to try and just get more money. They don't care about smokers. All they're trying to do is get more income by taxing more people. Um, And this situation is a dead giveaway of that because they're trying to increase more taxes on smokers. They know smokers will keep smoking um, because they know that this won't work. They know sin taxes don't work. Um, We've proved that. Um, But they know that smokers will keep smoking, but they will keep paying more. And that's going to be an even greater source of income For them, so you know, again, quite pathetic,
0: but clever, I suppose, ultimately. Yeah, well, they're an easy target because unless you can just say, "Oh, well, they deserve it because smoking's bad."
1: yeah exactly i mean you can just use that argument you can just use the health argument you can use the syntax you know the 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 typical left-wing syntax argument um to actually try and support this and get this make this more popular among the general public but ultimately it's just a method to increase revenue and get more revenue
0: Okay, so spending increases, we already knew that spending on education was going to go up because we heard that announcement about Glonski 2.0 last week. But there's also going to be increases in health spending. And what I mean by that is that the freeze on the Medicare rebate is being lifted, uh, which means that the uh, rate which uh, doctors receive for bulk billing will go up. Uh, so that'll cost the the taxpayers more. There's going to be more infrastructure spending with, as was already announced, Sydney's second airport. But also yeah. they're going to build a rail link from Melbourne to Brisbane.
1: Yes, I heard that too. Um, th- yeah, th- th- there has been a talk. There has been talk of building a new rail link, completely completely unnecessary it's just a waste of money it's good. I mean people are saying that it's result in um, rural um, areas being able to connect more with the capital cities and you know um, maybe those rural areas that aren't able to get a plane no not gonna work um, because mainly I mean those rural areas they they don't go to work in the city mainly they use if they do go to work in the city they use the intercity services or some regional services like they do like they have in the large cities but this sort of thing is not gonna work the plane system is much better, and um, trucks. And, and trucks, exactly. So you know, we don't need this. It's a, it's a waste of money.
0: Yeah. So so we often, uh, when I was hearing this budget, I'm like, so there's taxes are up, spending is up. Where's this surplus going to come from? And of course, they're yeah. also relying on uh, bracket creep because there's no change to personal income tax rates.
1: Yeah. I think um, maybe the. Spending cuts on foreign aid might help. Um, uh, Again, yeah, those that's are spending cuts. Yeah, exactly, those are spending cuts. Those aren't spend, they're they're not eliminating foreign aid. Those are just spending cuts on foreign aid. We don't know what those cuts are specifically anyway, and they could change. Um, so you know, I, I I just can't see how this is going to reduce a budget. If it does, then my whole entire economic world view might change um, if it does lead to an increase because you know more taxes more spending and a, a surplus and by the way i don't expect it, it
0: uh, that it will uh, and of course, uh, one positive that we did say about the, the budget was uh, there'll, uh, there'll be a trial of random drug testing of welfare recipients, which I believe is a good thing because welfare recipients they're not spending their money, it's taxpayers' money, and yeah. contrary to you know what some people uh, think you know most taxpayers don't want, uh, their tax dollars to be yeah. spent on drug use.
1: Yeah. I should not want my taxpayer money to be spent on drugs or you know or cocaine or whatever you have these days um i think that's the main thing that doesn't make this a hundred percent labor budget i mean if it was a hundred percent labor budget we wouldn't be seeing this um so i'm glad they did introduce this into the into this budget and i think they should cut spent like they should cut out any um welfare to anyone who tests positive for drugs and you know
0: that, that's how we should do things here. Well, the Greens and the drug activists are making out like that, oh, they're going to oh. get their uh, payments automatically cut if they test positive. No, that's not what Scott Morrison said. They're, they're either going to get their payments quarantined, which means that it'll go on uh, essentials cards to so they can't buy uh, alcohol or tobacco or uh, it, it's not in cash form, or they'll be referred to a rehabilitation program, which is uh, for the because there's a there's an emerging drug relativist movement, which is like drugs are <laughs> you know an acceptable yeah. life choice. So how dare you try to treat people for it? Yeah, I mean the rehabilit- The problem is if they're going to have rehabilitation programs,
1: that's more spending, isn't it? Um, you know that that's when more money being spent on something. I think I think they should completely cut out welfare for those who who test positive um you know anything other than that is just i just think it's stupid because you know why would you have spend money on people who are actually taking drugs um and wasting that money on things that are harmful for, to your body you know so i think they should cut spending completely on those people who test positive you
0: can still use drugs but just don't use taxpayers money to fund it
1: well well well, well yes i mean Drugs aren't exactly legal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah,
0: uh, yeah. yeah. Was, I'm just putting forward my point of view. Yeah, yeah. If you want assuming they were legal, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but it's 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 also. Um... Well, another criticism is saying, oh, it's so demeaning for people on welfare to have to have a drug test. Well, it should be demeaning. <laughs> it's an incentive for you to get off uh, or get a job uh, that, exactly. that you have to go through all these requirements. You know, that, uh, that's an incentive. So, you know, you can start earning and, you know, be, being a, a contributor rather than a leecher. Exactly. I think,
1: you know, there, there's this whole emotional trend these days, you know, this the, the, the left thinks they're so righteous when they're not. They're, you know, they're trying to sort of try and take away stigma for people, you know. Stigma is there for a reason, I'm sorry, but it's there for a reason. If you're, you know, in this program, in this sort of program, not, not everyone, because I know there are some people who do deserve it. Um, but most people who are in in these welfare programs they don't they I'm sorry they don't deserve it um you know so you know it should be demeaning and it should be an incentive for you to get your life together and do something you know just because you think it's it's your I think it's your responsibility to you know be successful in your life and you know we we can get philosophical here but you know I think ultimately the stigma is there for a reason and it's meant to sort of discourage you from going
0: into these programs in the first place. And since this has been called a mainly Labour budget, it's uh, worth asking the question Has the coalition lost political coverage? I mean, obviously, they were uh, quite, uh, and I'll use the term again, triggered by the reaction to their 2014 budget, which was much more fiscally conservative but electorally um, popular. And a lot of media commentators say that was the beginning of the end for uh, Tony Abbott. So it seems that. They they are more risk averse and want to deliver a safe budget, which they which will please the the media and the special interest groups, rather than you know do what really needs to be done for the for the country. Probably is. I mean, some some of the things
1: Scott Morrison said are. They sort of give away those things um you know he said that Bill Jordan should be supporting this um and quite readily he said that you know he said that you know the left all these all the mainstream Australians should be supporting this and that just shows that their aim itself is to try and get um t- support from the mainstream media from mainstream Australians who probably don't know much about economics uh, I'm not saying that's a bad thing I'm just saying you know they don't know much about it so it does appeal to them um and you know, to all those um left-wingers wi- who May not vote for liberals ever, so I think they're trying to sort of reach out to them and cave or actually cave into them when they shouldn't do that. You know that's just irresponsible, and most likely this budget will backfire. Um, it'll lead, it will mark my words, it will lead to um an increase in debt unless there's some sort of divine intervention. Um, if there is, my whole economic world yeah, will they, change. I said the rules that already.
0: Of economics are suspended. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. If they were suspended somehow, um, you know, maybe, then we can have um, a surplus Then uh, It's going to be very different. Um, we'll get to that later on in a few years. But um, yeah, I think we should, this is going to result in more economic
0: downfall, more um, debt, and that's going to be bad. Okay, so let's move on to our final topic. Uh, obviously, it was a more minor event, but uh, it's still, still worth talking about, which was yep. uh, Bill Shorten's ill-fated Australia first ad, uh, where he talked about yeah, putting Australians first, but uh, the ad lasted a day because uh, <laughs> uh, all the people on uh, Bill Shorten and Labor's left bank uh, called it racist.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, many people, including many liberals, called this ad. Well, I, I suppose those liberals were capitalizing on this, but they did call it quite racist because, um, you know, most 99% of the people in that ad were actually white, Anglo-Australian. So I think it was one Asian w- woman in there. Um, I thought it was a good turn of events. I liked it you know, saying that Australian people need to be put first. Let's remember, Australia is still mainly a white country. I mean, the left may may not know this for some reason. Um, You know, they don't really know much about reality, so I'm not expecting them to know. But Australia is still and always will be a predominantly white country. Oh, I hope it will be. So, you know, I think um, having the main ethnic group in that ad as the dominant ethnic group in that ad, I think is, is a good thing. Um, and it's not something to be triggered about. It's just how it is. You know, if, you, if if there are some people who are triggered at seeing
0: white people all the time, I suggest they move to Africa or something where they, they'll be much happier. Yeah, uh, most most people pointed out that the the ad did reflect the ethnic mix of Australia. I mean, Australia is still 90% white, even yeah. though uh, in the media, like, you know, where we, we see, you know, multiculturalism everywhere. Maybe, maybe they should have put, um, you know, a woman in a head scarf in the ads
1: yeah they should have yeah exactly that's the only way the only way that's i think that if you read between the lines that's what they were asking for you know to have a muslim woman in there maybe have a black woman in there well no sorry if you want to see black people in in ads move to africa if you want to see if you want to see muslim people in ads move to the middle east i mean i don't want to be racist okay i'm a brown person but but the thing is you know you should if countries have dominant ethnic groups and you should respect that um, and if there are people especially non-whites who are complaining about this ad i'm ashamed because they wouldn't want to see foreigners in their ads would they you know they in their own country's ads they wouldn't want to see that they would want to see their own ethnic groups in their countries so i mean they're hypocritical and they're asking for, whi- for white people to, re- to be removed in their own media um and that's just i think is quite pathetic and if you if you come to a predominantly white country, then you should expect things to be done in a white way. If you don't like that, you can, you know, sort of go back, I think.
0: Uh, The thing I found hilarious about this whole uh, saga was uh, the left's uh, cognitive uh, dissidence Mm. is is the fact that uh, they, you know, want to put local jobs first, local people first, yet Mm. they support open borders, uh, multiculturalism and letting in uh, more refugees. So... How can they, you know, claim to want to put locals first, yet they support basically opening up the the borders? Yes, that's that's the
1: problem. I don't even know if the left wants that anymore. I mean, it's very, it's it's, it's that's what makes some people critical. Um, we have them wanting to put people here first which is a good thing um and that's not i mean that's not exactly uh, we should clarify it's not a left-wing thing to do um but you know they they generally did want that always but now they want open borders they want um they they they, they shout out racism and, and we such oh sorry, I'm sorry I'm not, I'm not such they shout out xenophobia all the time um but then next minute they're asking for, for people in this country to be put first that doesn't make sense um and that's why they're hypocritical um and you know it's it, if they want to put people in this country first, then obviously 90% of those people will be white. Um, and so, and that ad, I think, uh, reflects that. And let's remember, another thing is that the Greens, who are, I suppose, I suppose the, the epitome of the left in Australia, they condemned the ad for being too white. But if you look at the Greens in Parliament, all the Greens members in, in, in both the um, upper house and lower house, they're all white, they're all white, okay? So they don't have any right to criticize Bill Shorten, um, who, um, who, whose respect towards him I've increased. Um, and, you know, I think th- they should fix themselves, maybe, if they think this ad is too white. Yeah,
0: it's it's uh, the greens also they support uh, getting rid of 457 visas so they're yeah. also uh hypocrites in in this regard as well exactly uh, yeah yeah so the yeah the ad lasted a day and it was interesting that uh conservatives uh, were more than happy to uh call uh labor uh racist and uh said that uh this is because the Labour Party was, uh, back, uh, back 50 yeah. years ago, were a supporter of the White Australia policy. I mean, yeah. Cory Bernardi came out uh, hard, hard against this ad, and it was interesting that there were some on the alt-right who were disappointed in uh, Conservatives' reaction to this ad. Yeah. I was. I mean, I was very
1: disappointed. I expect this thing. I this is something I expect from the right. You know, I expect these as from the right. I would expect Cory Bernardi to actually say something good about Bill Shorten. But I think, I think, as I said earlier, I think they're capitalising on this. They're capitalising on this anti-labour um, media backlash we saw these past few days, um, and trying to sort of make them look bad. But that's bad. I mean, that just that quest makes me question my support for people like Corey Bonardi, I mean, are they there to um, promote conservative values or are they there to just pick on labor all the time and use any... Anything, anything as an opportunity to put them down because sometimes, I mean, you, there's sometimes a situation where you will agree with people on the other side of the spectrum, and this is one of those situations. You know, I agree with, with this ad, um, and I expect Corey Bernardi and other conservatives to agree with this. Um, if they don't, then I question their motives in founding a new party and going off trying to um, appeal to Australians.
0: But as I said, uh, I think in a Facebook discussion that that Corey Bernardi he he supports skilled migration. He a free market conservative so of course yeah. he's, he's not going to like uh, these you know putting Australian uh, jobs first uh, ads so I wasn't surprised by his uh, criticism and I think that you know it was it was genuine from him and yeah probably the the right they're gonna be disappointed if there's uh, f- uh, not that many uh, politicians o- on the right who are going to support their cause
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the thing is, you know, of course, Kraybunani would support school of migration for economic reasons. I'm saying using the racist um, argument, you know, that's just something I don't expect from him at all. Um, but yeah, I think um, the alt-right thing is, many people in the alt-right used to be Labour labor supporters. Um, and this is what they expect from Labour, I think. Um, because as you know, surprisingly, I mean, it's quite surprising but Labour was the main proponent of um, the White Australia policy um, since, even as recently as 50 years ago. So I think, um, you know, many of many of those people who have become disillusioned by Labour's progressive turn have um you know become all try and supported Pauline Hanson or Jackie Lambie um so I think uh, the thing is you know that I, I would expect many all traders to support Labour in this in this new direction
0: uh, I, I think the lesson that we can take from this is that uh f- you can't rely on or the, the progressive left to put uh, a, a nation's people first. I mean, obviously, Shorten's trying to emulate Trump's America first. Yeah. But because yeah. of this contradiction in the left that, oh, we support open borders and multiculturalism, I, you've, I've, no ordinary Australian is going to take Labor seriously when they say we want to put Australians first.
1: That's true. Uh, and when they do, if they do, then the problem is other Labour, um, people members in Labour like um, Anthony Albanese, for example, um, they start condemning their own party and that just results in them losing even more support. Um, same thing happening with, for example, Labour in the United Kingdom as well. So, you know, they end up losing their own support when, and it just shows that there, there really is no unity. I mean, Anthony Albanese said it's a shocker and said that, you know, he wouldn't expect his party to, pr- to be promoting this and that just shows that there is no unity in Labour either. I mean they're hypocrites, they're, they're calling out the Liberals for not having unity but then if you, if you look at it closely then Labour has no unity either. Um, so you know I, I guess it's we need to see what, what what's going to happen later on. Um, if I don't think they will continue going on with this. If they do, then it's going to result in more loss of support for them, ultimately. So, you know, I just don't think there's any hope for them at all. Uh,
0: well, Labor think that, uh, you know, the ordinary st- strain is stupid and, like... Uh, f- Uh, thinks that they'll see that ad and say, oh, yeah, Labour wants to put Australians first and forget about the fact that, you know, they want to open the floodgates uh, again on immigration, let all the boat people in and refugees, which, which of course, uh, if we look what's happening in Europe, has been a complete disaster. Mm.
1: Europe, America, same thing with America, you know, with uh, Mexicans coming in with the NAFTA trade deal. Um, so I think, yeah, I think if you look at other circumstances, similar circumstances around the world, Labour has nothing, you know, you can, you can, it's easy to tell why Labour is just pandering, trying to pander to us, trying to get our vote. But then, you know, you can tell they're just doing it for the vote. They're not doing it because they care about us.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, that's all we've got time for for this week's review show. So thank you once again, Suka, for being my co-host. It's my pleasure. And of course, at the end of the show, the usual reminders apply. So if you haven't yet, signed up to the email list at theunshackled.net slash subscribe. Please consider the, supporting the work of The Unshackled at uh, theunshackled.net slash support. You can become a patron on Patreon or donate via PayPal. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or view the video version on YouTube. Will we put this one on Facebook, do you think, Sukath?
1: Um, I think we could. You know, I wouldn't mind. I would like to see it.
0: Yes. Yeah, so you might be viewing this uh, video version on, on Facebook. And, of course, don't forget to keep checking the Unshackled.net on a regular basis for all the latest news. Thanks once again for listening, and we'll see you next time.